Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Cerventi. Yo! Yo! Hello! Welcome. This is a podcast called Verging on Greatness, where me, Mike, and my buddy Craig, hi Craig. Hello! We talk about a movie, or movies, that... Are verging on greatness. Uh, the clues in the name. Uh, they are <laughs> pretty good. They're in fact great. You might walk out of They're it. They're almost thinking, there. Man, that movie was awesome. Yeah. But there was something not quite yeah. right about it. And we maybe a little tweak would have fixed it. Something. It's just one little thing. One tiny mm-hmm. thing that could have made all the difference. And we try yeah. and figure out what that is. Um, well, sometimes we just watch a movie that's garbage. Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> occasionally. Are you are you foreshadowing this episode? <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> In fact, this this is potentially one of the better ones we've we've done of late. We're doing Rollerball, nineteen seventy five's Rollerball, not the two thousand and two remake. Oh, oh Just, is there a remake? Oh, did you miss that? Yeah, yeah. There's a remake. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, John McTiernan, the guy from Die Hard, did a remake of Rollerball in two thousand and two. With uh, I want to say it's, Chris, it's it's a Chris, but it's the Chris from American Pie. Not one of the Chris Hemsworths or Evans, and uh, it's wildly different. It would have to be this. This, yeah. this is this. There's so much 1975 about this about this, about movie. this movie. It yeah. is yeah. Um, firmly rooted, appropriately, in the very middle of the 70s. It is 70s. Oh yes, yeah. 70s cinema par excellence is so, so yeah 70s. it's 70s through and through this is the most 70s uh sci-fi film to ever 70s <laughs> <laughs> and in fact and, and we're, we're saying that it came in it came in the middle of a real um a real flood of yes of, of similar, this kind of film with this, this genre yeah there's like um if you don't if you haven't seen it it's uh, rollerball as a um uh, post-apocalyptic um, dystopian future. It's not really. Po- it's not, is it post-apocalyptic? I guess there's a war. Isn't yeah, there? they talk about a war. Yeah, they talk about a bunch of wars. Yeah. yeah, they talk about this war and then the corporate wars and they were vicious and stuff. Um, and it's set in a. It's set in the future. It's set like a hundred years in the future. I think the the year it's set in is sometime in two thousand and seventy. So it's one of the few films from nineteen seventy that is still in our future to come yeah most of the other films were set in like 2001 or 1995 <laughs> or something like that and we don't have robots there's no ray guns <laughs> we're not traveling to jupiter it sucks we do so, have the internet um, we do have the internet suck it, and 1975 we do have, suck it. we have the world of we have the entire combined um collected works of the world in our pockets except for mike who doesn't have a smartphone and at any point we can find out exactly what film uh that 70s actress was naked in so like that's something the 1970s did not you have can dial that you can dial up a gif yeah. of that shit dial up a gif of that shit no effort at all so this is so this is it's a interesting interesting mashup of genre uh rollerball because it's it's so it's a sci-fi like you've said but it's also ostensibly a sports movie it follows that sports it movie is structure where it's structured around the the sports sequences that's essentially yep. where it gets its where it gets its three acts is which that's right which game is this act about yep so yeah it opens with it opens with uh, so rollerball is a sport played in the future it's quite violent and bloody um Might even say ultra and the, violent. the opening it's ultra violent um 
and it opens with a game against from the Houston from the Houston Energy State versus Madrid I guess and it's the only sport that's played I guess in a professional sense in this future it's the only one you hear about so yeah they don't talk about like handball or you know the NFL no they only no, talk about rollerball there's not a lot of badminton no, still, no. Still there's no, there's no, there's pro- no, there's no professional shuffle board. Really. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So it's so it's it's big spectacle. Um, a la a la Running Man. Um, you know, and, and it, it, Running Man owes a lot to this movie and the it does the, what what this movie sets up around this idea of a um, ultra violent ultra violent entertainment and it's and it's so it's it, it's saying something about. Uh, violence and sport and also in the people that watch a violent sport as well it's got a lot and amongst and amongst all of the corporate stuff which i think is the main theme there's also yeah there's the also social the, commentary the, the rabid audiences baying for blood yeah and and, che- yeah. and cheering as cheering as people are literally killed literally murdered in front and, of them and, yeah. and the participation in the sport it's so it's that real and it's a gladiator as well is another one you got to mention that kind of you know calls this out a bit this you know going back to the to the the ancient roman times where people expect for their entertainment genuine blood these guys aren't they want people to die i guess the difference with this is these guys aren't slaves they all they all participate in the sport as far as we can tell yeah willingly yeah um well no one's talking about how they had their prison sentence commuted to come and play in rollerball no no so it's I don't know. It's not. I guess it's not really clear exactly what drives them to participate in the sport, where they're quite likely to to die. That's one thing. Well, well, by the end of this film, because I mean, we're probably jumping ahead of ourselves, but in in the context of the film, it starts off where there are rules and substitutions, and um, you're not allowed to to do certain things. But by the end of the film, it's basically just blood sport please kill the other team that's right they don't even um, but that, by, by, the, by the by the last match they don't even have a time limit it's a, the, yeah, the, impli- it's the implication being this match will go on till one entire team is dead is dead but or the but the hope incapacitated yeah because by the end of it there's there's basically three people on the team left uh, or three people on the field left uh one one of those is our titular hero uh, jonathan e um played by james khan um and I, I, I really resisted the urge to, to do a Shatner-esque Khan when I, when I said James Khan. So. Not for very long. No, I, I, let's be honest. We knew that was coming. Yeah, so. it's, it's out of the way now. We can all move on. Um, <laughs> so, tell me about, before we, before we get into this, tell me about some of the other movies. You were, you were listing some off that kind of came out around the same time capturing oh, okay, the, so the, the, the zeitgeist. Yeah, of, so of obviously, I think he started all off with with Clockwork Orange by Stanley Kubrick. That's um, dystopian yeah. future ultraviolence. Probably set the scene. Like I think this movie owes a lot to that in terms of like ultraviolent content and um, corporate run futures. Uh, you've got Omega Man and um, Soylent Green, yeah. uh, both Charlton Heston films. Both of them again dystopian futures. Um, ooh, uh, you've got Silent Running. Um, I can't remember the name of the actor in that, but that's a, a ecological disaster future. Mm. Um, but same, same. Um, gosh, gosh, there's another one. Uh, it slipped my mind. 
but yeah, there's a bunch of films around. Oh, Death Race 2000, mm. which um, was a B-grade movie, which is now a cult hit or a cult cult film um, with uh, Kung Fu himself. Um, I forget his name too, but um, uh, he, he famously died of autoerotic asphyxiation. Um, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of films around the same period of time um all with similar themes yeah. very depressing bleak futures and I, I think i mean if you want to look at it historically it's impossible to point it's impossible not to recognize that you know it was the height of the nixon era in the united states the vietnam war was was grinding ever ever so slowly to a close so i, I guess people felt like the world was ending mm. and imminently um it'll, it'll be interesting to see what um future um uh, podcast recorders like ourselves will think of films that come out now um and whether they are uh, reflexive to the, the to the time <laughs> i wonder how many of them will feature um orange skinned monsters <laughs> um yeah so this movie i i agree this this movie owes a lot to a clockwork orange it's it's catches yes, it that and not just in the it's it's got it, it owes a lot of the a lot of this the, what they've considered they've treated as a futuristic style um and not just in the sets but in the costumes as well mm. um and it's that it's that brave new world kind of sense where everybody seems slightly drugged out they're all on they're all popping some sort of pill you never find out exactly right. what it is um, yeah i forgot that there's the soma equivalent right yeah. from brave new world but, they're all on soma but every, yeah. everyone's everyone kind of stares stares vacantly uh in, in a way that you get the sense that they're all they're all numbed to a degree which I think, yeah. I think you, you you pull that from Clockwork back from Clockwork Orange a bit. Yeah. Um, other movie I think you've got a. You, you, uh, I was thinking a lot of when we were, when I was watching this was Chinatown, which came out a year before, oh, yes. which is not a sci-fi, but is also uh, very very bleak, um, and it's 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 yeah. I think most of all in the sense what you get from Jonathan E. Um, James Kahn's character in this movie is that hopelessness that he is fighting against this this machine that is this is so much bigger than he is. Um, what's the, there's a line in Chinatown. You th- uh, it's something like you th- you think you know what you're getting into, but you don't. And it's it's that sort of sense here that it's 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 all way bigger and it goes way further back than the, the boss yeah that it goes way higher than, than who, look, who looks yeah. he's an old guy he looks like he's the boss's boss's boss but it creates but he sense says that, that there are people above him yeah he's so, yeah. he's like a middle manager there are bosses and yeah. bosses and bosses above him the what are they called oh executives it's, executives it's yeah. kind of the the, the the directors of the board yeah and you never meet them or see them and i guess i guess if you really want to look at that you can sort of go well i mean that whole idea that it goes to the top i mean that's uh, probably a slight indication of how the populace was feeling at the time with like Watergate and Nixon. Yeah. It was like, well, it went, it does, it goes all the way to the top. Yeah. Um, not just some middle manager. Yeah. <laughs> it's not some ambassador who's done all of this. It, it goes all the way to the top. <laughs> it, it's the top guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's done this. Luck, yeah. Luckily there are yeah, checks yeah. and balances in place that will control. So we're this. so lucky there's checks and balances <laughs> in place that, that keep, they keep people at all levels from committing crimes. Yeah, yeah. What a world we live it's, in, Mike. It's inevitable. What a world. Inevitable that they will yeah. get their comeuppance. 
<laughs> it's inevitable. Yeah, one day we're gonna run out of hairspray, and then shit's really gonna happen. So, <laughs> so, 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 what do you want to do? Do you want to do you want to run through the run through the story, or should we should we assume that? Yeah, sure. Let's run the... through it real quick. Um, I mean, so where do you want to start? So there's a there's a game. It's called Rollerball. It's hyper violent. It's played with a with an a, like what what appears to be a ten pound steel ball. Um, Jonathan E is the greatest player in the history of the game. Yeah. Um, and uh, it becomes readily apparent pretty early that the corporate overlords um, of, of this world, it seems like the entire world is run by um, various corporations that do various things. So they, um, there's a food corporation and there's, an, mm. there's at least a food corporation and at least an energy corporation that we're shown to. Did you, did you catch any other corporations? Those were the only two I really picked up on those are the only ones that i can food. think of well someone put, someone says at one point they're all the same corporation ultimately at the top that it's yeah a bit i think of a, it's i think that's what a, it boils down to it yeah it's a bit of a facade yeah. that they're actually yeah they're actually different but the world itself sounds pretty good because in the opening moments of the film they say they've eliminated hunger and they've eliminated disease so um so the world itself seems like it's pretty pretty beige now i mean it's true they're in 70s orange and green for a lot of this as well so and that's and that that is the corporation that's actually saying that isn't it is that is that a bartholomew line does he say that yeah it is bartholomew so you, yeah. you can't i mean you find out later on you can't necessarily trust what bartholomew says although he's actually he's mostly pretty he's mostly as, as straight up as he can be with yeah with jonathan i think so it's i guess there's a fair chance he's telling the truth but certainly he's there's nothing particular to stop him from lying. He's 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 all the corporation is all powerful. Well, at no point are we shown slums full of dirty, sick children in the film. No, all we ever seen it in the in the film is very clean, very futuristic looking Munich in the mid seventies, um, and uh, very clean and very green fields with um, you know rejects from Studio Fifty Four blowing shit up. No, that's so. that's that's true. It's not like Demolition Man, where you get these glimpses of of the how the, the other the, half the lives. people living yeah. underground who occasionally yeah. scuttle out into the light to steal some food or something. They, yeah. they don't they don't bother giving you any even any glimpse at that. So I guess you can assume that that everybody everybody in this world is happy. They have solved these problems. Um, yeah. So the Cer- certainly in context of the film, we never see anything that that indicates that the future isn't you know healthy and bright because right. what we are shown is healthy and bright so the the first 15 minutes is the setup and playing of the first game and the i have to say that the action i feel like the action holds up in this movie for a movie that is about grown men on roller skates um <laughs> and football pads and, and football helmets it, <laughs> they, they look tough um yeah and, and it's and the action's exciting the the game is um the game holds up the game's pretty straightforward the idea is just to put the ball in the goal um so there are it's just a ball sport yeah Yeah. it's 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 a ball sport it's kind of like roller derby but with a ball and motorcycles to give you speed yeah i think yeah you can so the motorcycles have little hooks on the back so the roller skaters can grab onto the back of the motorcycles um and yeah essentially the 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 goal is to get the ball into the into the hole, but the real goal is to beat the crap out of the players on the other team. Yeah. So we we're introduced to our 
protagonist um, and our antagonist. So the protagonist is Jonathan E, played by James Kahn, and the antagonist is um, Bartholomew, um, who is Jonathan Hausman. Um, I, I made a note here. I'm just looking at my notes, um, and I said all the um, all the villains are English. <laughs> That's yeah. You know you're in the seventies. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know you're in the seventies uh, when all your villains are English. <laughs> and I don't know if that was I don't know if that was on purpose. Where, whether because um, the Americans love to cast the English and the bad guys due to the you know the the colony and yeah. et cetera and the revolution and um, they love to cast themselves as the plucky underdog in these stories. But like Star Wars, three years later would do the same thing. Yeah. All the villains are English, and I wonder if that's because Die Hard. The, these films, yeah, Die Hard. These films are filmed in Europe to give them a different look and a feel, feel and yeah. then they need English-speaking people, so they just bring them over from England. Because uh, this film was <laughs> largely filmed in Germany, so rather than cast a bunch of Germans in the as the bad guys, might have been. Might have been a little on the nose in 1975. <laughs> um, <laughs> so instead of doing that, That's right, they, they cast a bunch of Englishmen. So. Houston never plays against West Berlin. <laughs> West, West Berlin. West Germany. <laughs> Dusseldorf. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. Um, Germany's never mentioned at all. I, I think it's funny, like, I, I, I say that it's filmed in um, Germany and in Munich because um, the one of the exteriors is that you see two exteriors. One is this cylindrical building with an orange um circle on the top that's the bmw head offices mm. um so that building was built by bmw and um and they've covered off the bmw logo with an orange light um and the other like, one of the other exterior shots you see is a silver bowl of a building mm. uh that's also the bmw headquarters that's the museum so those two buildings are literally side by side <laughs> in real life so you can stand outside them and go there's the museum there's the there's the uh, the head offices, and in this film, I just love it. They're just two separate locations. Do you think they shot like, on the same day? They just. <laughs> I'm I am convinced that a lot of those exterior shots were shot in the same yeah. day. So so, you see the yeah. same cloud in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same same bunch of German extras uh, dressed up differently. There's a couple of German-looking dudes in some of the the workout scenes as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the other notes I made about this film was. Um, uh, apparently in the 70s yeah, you can be um all the guys look 70s fit like they wouldn't pass muster for today's um beefcake uh, film roles yeah um, but in 1970s they were they were 70s fit and apparently you can either be an actor or you could be an athlete in 1970s you can't be both <laughs> things at the same time so james khan is in pretty good shape for a guy how old james khan how old do you think james khan is like he's maybe in his mid-30s oh, yeah in, early in this 30s film? mid-30s Early thirties, mid thirties, yeah, but he's he's in good shape. But he's, you know, Tom Cruise makes him look like a you know a a, a puny guy. Yeah, um, and Tom Cruise is not a big guy by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah. This is Can you imagine. I read a, I, putting him against a Chris Hemsworth or a Chris Evans. Like, I know I read, <laughs> these guys are ripped. I, I read the, I read this thing that the the backlash the, or the response to you know a lot of the. Uh, complaints about unreasonable body standards among women in Hollywood uh, in, during the 90s and 2000s wasn't to uh, you know loosen up those standards a little bit it was to impose the same unreasonable body standards on all the men so now at least we have <laughs> equal opportunity unreasonable body standards every every man now in Hollywood body dysmorphia is, yeah is expected it's an to be equal opportunity dysmorphia absolutely jacked you could trace it if you've seen that you've seen that meme where the, it traces like Hugh Jackman's journey over the 
20 years or so he's played um wolverine where in the, in the very first x-men movie in like when was that 97 99 something yeah i remember when that came he's out he's in good thinking, shape but he's thinking, he's not in yeah. hugh jackman shape think, yeah wow that dude when that movie came out you thought wow that dude's jacked and every yeah. every time he's done a movie which is like every three years for about the past 20 years he has gotten more jacked and you compare yeah. you compare it and you think that's that's a, you can essentially trace the evolution of Hollywood body body standards for men via yeah. Hugh Jackman. I mean, look at the look at the Rock, um, Dwayne Johnson. You look at him in his early films; like he's in he's in pretty good shape in those, like in the Scorpion King, oh. which I really feel we should do on this podcast. But then you get to like Hercules when he plays Hercules in Hercules. Um, he is he is not the Rock. He is bolder. He is the size of a small yeah. mountain. Um, uh, uh, he is. And essentially, this started in this, this. This is an '80s trend, right? With Arnie. And Starts in the late '70s. Arnie yeah. and Stallone. Yeah, Arnie and Sylvester. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Sylvester Stallone and. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. All of those guys in the '80s. Yeah. Um, so this is, with the exception, possibly of Bruce Willis, yeah, who was kind of more an everyman. So, so this is 1975, where where yeah, you can someone like James Khan. Um, can be a, a who's a, who's who's in great shape yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't want a little to, hairy i wouldn't want to get into a fight looking with hair James on his shoulders. in 1975 yeah break me in half yeah oh and moon pie like whoever's oh, the actor playing yeah. moon pie yeah he's in he's in 70s shape he's, as well they, but they all look like they played football in college yeah. and you know they they run a little bit now so yeah he's kind of um, a big, a big yeah. the, he's the moosey kind of psycho he's the goose right yeah he's the goose yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the goose, but he's called Moon Pie. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where they, came, how did they come up with that name? <laughs> um, anyway, back on, back on the story. story. Um, stuff happens in this movie. So, um, yeah, for opening sequence is the game against um, who? Madrid. Um, so you're getting, Madrid. you're getting a taste of the game. There's a, there's a, and then you have the ubiquitous shower scene afterwards, and the boss comes through and congratulates the team on playing a great game. Uh, and he calls out Jonathan E. So he really he really makes sure, as if it wasn't obvious from the baying crowd, really makes sure you know that Jonathan E. is something of a sensation in this sport. He is an absolute legend. Um, longest longest player in the game, yeah. I think, or we find out. Yeah, he's he survived the longest. But then he so. so he invites him he invites him to his Bartholomew invites Jonathan to his office the next day. So he goes along the next mm-hmm. day. Um, and and finally, this is twenty minutes in. You finally get your inciting incident where he says that um, he tells him that that the the executives, the corporation, have decided that it's time for him to retire. Um, yeah. And uh, Jonathan, he doesn't want to retire. He s- says he's given a lot. You find out a bit more backgrounds, a bit of exposition. You find out that he had a wife called Ella. That a that a that a corp that a board member liked, and so they they took away. Yeah. I think, and again, they're, they're creating that kind of brave new world sense where you're not meant to get attached to any one particular person. The um, yeah. relationships come and go uh, casually, and that's the way it's meant to be. But he's obviously, you know, he's immune to that. He's he obviously feels quite strongly still about this woman, even though it's. I think I don't. I think it's not meant to be de rigueur to hold feelings for someone for that long. Um, so he's that's true. so he's put into a he's put into a quandary where he's he knows they want him to retire, but 
he feels like there's something else going on and this is where they start that chinatown kind of thing where he's he's trying to understand he starts trying to investigate and understand what's actually what's the decision making process that goes in here how is this actually happening yeah he talks to who who makes the decisions yeah, yeah. he talks to his coach um whose name is cletus um yep asks him to see what he can find out um then there's a there's a scene where he's um back on the back at the ring where he's teaching some some kids some of the new recruits he's teaching them a little bit which is again chance for some more exposition he explains a little bit more about how the game works um yeah and then he's back um and then he's back doing his doing his his kind of film noir detective thing where he's trying to yeah trying to find out some more trying to find out some more information about the corporation he finds out that all the books have been taken out of the libraries and um you can only get summaries or um abridged versions of the books now um, which plays on that i guess that's that nazi fear yeah. that you know they're going to burn yeah, all the books fahrenheit, and tell you how the nazis are bad fahrenheit yeah. 451 1984 yeah uh, yeah that's yeah. all that kind of dystopian dystopian government control 101 um yeah. Or in this case, corporate control, because the yes, corporation right. is the government. I should say, so, should yeah. say government control. The other the thing he does find out here, which comes back later, is that you can go to Geneva, and we will get to the Geneva scene, and it is a do. Oh, it is Geneva a, a scene. real doozy. Um, but that doesn't. <laughs> I think. That comes I think about. the more and more I watch movies, Mike, the more and more I watch movies, the more and more I realize that movies are really just representations of the drugs being taken <laughs> at the time. Um, so like. Uh, I'm not going to try and say that all music, cinema, and book is based on on the the, the drug du jour, but um, I think there's definitely an argument to be made for like this is the age of marijuana, and this is the age of alcohol, <laughs> this is the age of psychedelics. Yeah. Uh, cocaine is a thing. The '80s is to show for it. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that this is this is a, 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 an indictment on the the kind of psychedelics that were being yeah. made available at the time to the filmmakers but yeah okay carry on sorry um so he meets the he he gets a new a new bird kind of thrust his way uh daphne well we find out that he is given a wife or he is um or mates are made available to him and they swap them in interchangeably yeah because he he comes back to his his ranch by helicopter um and uh she's there's a discussion where she tells him that you know they've been together for six months now and and he just wanted her gone Mm. without saying goodbye and then later she just goes and says that she's in a you know throwaway line that she's going to some faraway place and we never see her again um and she's later replaced by the the daphne character um who clearly has been sent by the corporation uh, so. the other thing that the other thing you get is that um the he plays footage of ella so they they, yes. they, pick, they pick that up again they they ran that home a little harder uh that he's pining for ella um yeah played by um two-time bond girl maud adams so yeah just in case they hadn't they hadn't kind of raised that enough they they make sure yeah. make sure you know this dude's really he, and it's and oh man 70s cinema he just he walks th- he's got it on <laughs> five screens on every room yeah. in his house and there is a shot of him turning on screen those screens in every room at his house and standing wistfully watching footage of ella 
They they really who was filming those sizzle reel sizzle reels of Ella is what I want to know. Like, was he walking around with a camera just filming these these sizzle reels that he was going to just play yeah. back for the rest of his life? So they really they really wallow in it. They really make sure you know he's he's experiencing a deep a deep sense of sense of loss and abandonment. Loss, abandonment. yeah. Um, um, in a in a kind of true noir kind of sense you know that oh there's that thing that he's the thing that he has lost and he's trying to get it back but he's it's it's a hopeless hopeless kind of hopeless there's no hope but he holds out hope anyway yeah holds out hope anyway. um oh and so carries on and you start you start hearing more about this um the next match that is coming up against tokyo um he there is a scene where he's meant to do his interview where he's meant to announce his retirement and he refuses to do that um they go along to and this is i think around the point so we're getting in around 45 minutes in and i guess you call that that's almost the first turning point with the point where he refuses the interview and it becomes about how how is that going to play out now he's he's refused to play ball um so it's, it's pretty late in the, or or rather rather he refuses not to play ball. <laughs> man it's too late i didn't even know that i set that one up um uh yeah so that that's but then there's that trippy sequence where in that with in that interview where he's meant to be interviewed he's dosing up daphne on whatever the pill is that they're taking and um and there's the weird guy who who's clearly a huge rollerball fan um who's like i don't want to say he's kind of sub interviewing jonathan while interviewing Jonathan, like he's yeah. busy telling Jonathan how amazing he thinks he is, but it's all done from a from a disembodied voice off camera. We never see that person, and it, like obviously that's a stylistic, an artistic choice by Norman Jewison. Like he's clearly like all these people behind the scenes you don't get to see yeah. who are really calling the shots. Yeah. And Jonathan Jonathan's just starting to wise up to this idea that there's something not right in the society because he's being made to do all this stuff by unseen voices beyond his control um but they have infinite power over him and so instead of instead of announcing his retirement like he's being told repeatedly to do he 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 uh, feigns sickness with his partner daphne who he's dosed up and then they leave the interview hmm. um and and then I, I guess we crash cut to a party scene, a weird, oh, weird no, there's the, there's, trippy party before scene. Before you get to the weird party scene, there's the weird scene where there's the um, guy who's trying to, there's the, like a, an expert who's trying to teach them, teach the team what they need to prepare for, what they should expect, oh, trying to give them, trying yeah. to teach them the strategy that they need to prepare for against Tokyo. And Mo- Tokyo. Moon Pie leads the team uh, in this kind of, ignorant rebellion that oh it doesn't matter what strategy we're going to kick their asses because we're yeah. fucking yanks yeah we're from houston America. yeah fuck yeah, yeah. Um, fuck yeah yeah and and they they lead this weird chant and then and then it goes to the party and of, of course the the party scene just goes on and on it's it does it's absolutely it does. It's, it's, it's like the it's like the opening well I was going to say it's like the opening party of The Godfather, which goes on for about 25 minutes, except the opening party of The Godfather is compelling. Yeah, that's some good cinema right there. Um, this yeah. one is... I don't know if... I, I wouldn't call this party scene good cinema, but it's... It's it's it's, it's interesting. What, There's a panning shot across a woman who's crying outside by herself. What year did Caligula come out? 
that's uh, early, that's the early same time. 70s right or maybe mid 70s it's yeah it's like they're going for they're, they're going for a party and out of caligula but they want to keep it they want everyone to have their clothes on they want it to be pg it's like everything is <laughs> I guess, well this movie's not pg it must have been r when it came out uh, caligula is actually four years later uh, sadly okay yeah certainly um there's a there's a they imply an awful lot of, it's an orgy essentially is what they're what they're implying uh everybody's everybody is on drugs and everybody is kind of there's the, there's this weird kind of dance that everybody seems to be engaged in the and the face touching yeah nobody's nobody's they, they they're only they're touching themselves in kind of acceptable platonic ways but the way that they're all as individuals responding to being touched is it's a little more um ecstatic well it just becomes i kind of took it as well to mean that like the the wives or the girlfriends are all interchangeable and they have been through many yeah. of these people yeah there's so, yeah there's, there's that too they, yeah yeah so because daphne then goes um over to someone that she clearly knew before and they're having a a, a familiar conversation and i that happens a bit and moon pie steals someone's wife to go upstairs to show them his collection of stuff or whatever i can't remember the line he uses yeah. but yeah that's the that's yeah. the, the then, only actual implied coitus isn't it everything else is all yeah everything else is all on. oh no there's a scene later with maud adams where it's implied coitus but um during during that bit but that's later jonathan we'll jonathan himself he sits down with some babe and and tries to talk to her in some meaningful fashion and she kind of brushes him off but it's implied that she's been his girlfriend once upon a time oh because the, there's one one of those women is the woman woman from the beginning of the film that that took off um so she's back she's the uh. one that later blows up the trees because she's now with somebody else right and um yeah but yeah it's a weird film it's a weird scene but ostensibly the party is to watch the the the, the television reel of jonathan um, yeah and his like his career highlight yeah and and the and, it's, to and, jonathan. It's, it's, and it's, the interview is supposed to be played as a part of that but he hasn't given the interview so it turns out it's just, yeah. it's just a highlights reel and and he finds out at the scene that um his his friend the um cletus can't has spoken to the other coaches and to everyone he can yeah that's right and something's happening way way up that it's beyond his control um it's beyond his influence it's beyond everyone's influence only the only thing he knows is that they want jonathan out and they don't know they can't give a reason why but he has to go yeah um and uh and then we we have the weird uh, the metaphor of the um, and then Bartholomew is also there, so the 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 big bad or the the middle management bad, and he's talking to Jonathan and telling Jonathan that he's out, that he's been fired, because he couldn't get Jonathan to quit, mm. and um, there's this discussion about how rollerball was never meant to be to be played or won, it was meant to show the futility of individual expression, mm. and and um, hammer home the need for teamwork and. Um, working as a as a cohesive unit except jonathan has defied that expectation and has excelled as an individual um because clearly he was just born and bred for for mm. rollerball and and while this while this is happening this discussion about um the individual uh, effort is is pointless uh mm. drunken party guests are out with a laser pistol blowing up 
pines on a on a so all these lone pines on a on a on a hilltop are getting decimated by a laser pistol uh, by drunken party guests. So yeah, this film's got layers upon layers upon layers of metaphor. So. I feel like that must have looked amazing on paper. That must have yeah. seemed like I bet it was really deep when 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 it was the guy oh was yeah i'm sure it. when they were coming up with this like oh my god and then we'll show the futility of the effort by blowing up all these lone pines and like you know together they stood a chance but alone they're dead yeah. and then everyone's like yeah yeah pass the peyote so. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's that's the raising of this the stakes get raised um and the and the in the middle point there and that's the, that's the scene where it's 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 now obvious this is they are going to do what they can to take him out and, and things start to get more serious so he doesn't want to ride on the helicopter he doesn't want Daphne around he actually assaults Daphne um, yeah cuts he cuts her, her, cuts her face with his, with his glove which has kind of it's got spikes on it studs on it um, yeah. and so to get to get rid of her um, uh, and he, he won't ride in the helicopter he um, he, he chooses to ride with his, the team. He sends his baggage along, and then and then chooses to ride, chooses to go with the team because he knows he won't be, you know, if, if, obviously he's feeling like he's going to get thrown out of the bumped. thrown out of the helicopter, and bumped yeah. off. So then you have the so then there's the second match, um, and that's yep, so against Tokyo. And it's a long time between those two matches. I really feel like around thirty minutes, and maybe this is what they thought the game, the coaching session with the kids would be. Uh, but I don't think they right. got enough footage. An action beat. It really feels like yeah. they need an action beat about 30 minutes in because essentially you've got the game right at the start and then and then the next match against Tokyo isn't until 70 minutes in. So it's over an hour yeah. um, where in any, any sports or um, competition movie, you really need something around that 30 minute mark. Pitch Perfect is another one yeah. that we've done on this podcast. It hits those, it hits those beats with with those otherwise it just feels like it drags right but this is 1975 this is pre the invention and i you can't see me at home doing the air quotes here but mike can uh the blockbuster um jaws where jaws kind of comes along and um and what year was jaws 79 75 um but jaws comes along and goes okay yeah here's how you do here's how you do a blockbuster and here's the action points that you need to hit in order to keep a film feeling like it's racing towards something So this film, at no point does this film feel like it's racing towards something. It feels like it's stumbling no. and staggering slowly it's, and then lurches off to one side and lurches off to another. It's not a danger. It's got of, a weird flow. It's not a danger of racing at any point. Uh, nope. if, if anything, it, it has what a lot, a lot of 70s movies actually have. It's, <laughs> it's got a sense. It feels like you're watching a director's cut. It's, two, it's, yeah. it's over two hours long yeah. and, and there's a sense that there's a, there's a really tight 90 minute movie in here somewhere and you're watching the fanboy version <laughs> with all the deleted scenes but with it, all the deleted scenes because it was yeah. 1975 they didn't delete shit that we filmed that shit it's going in the <laughs> everything film. that the director wants <laughs> put it up on the screen everything the director wants it goes in goes in the movie <laughs> uh, Norman uh, this is just repeating information didn't you hear me Cletus put it in the film <laughs> Because this is pre Heaven's Gate. This is still at the point where, at the point in the seventies when the directors are gods, the Francis, yeah, Francis the God, Ford yeah, Coppola, uh, yeah, Martin yeah. Scorsese, Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick yeah. era, yeah. where two yeah. and a half hours yeah. is perfectly reasonable runtime for a movie. <laughs> Norman Jewison. I'm not really sure. Like Norman Jewison, um, I think he's if you if you had to sum up his career in like three films, excluding Rollerball, you'd go. 
um, uh, it, uh, in the heat of the yeah. night, um, Moonstruck, and maybe The Hurricane. Um, there's another film in there as well. I was like, oh, that's a very Norman Jewison film. Did he make the, is that the, is the Denzel, Cabin on a Hot Tin Roof? Denzel Washington? Yeah, that's the hurricane. Did he make that? Yeah. yeah. Shit, he has a long that's career. Basically, yeah, it's basically his last film. So right. he made, um, he makes, yeah, he's done a whole bunch of stuff in the 70s and 80s, obviously. Um, but he seems like he makes, he makes a film that stands out and then he doesn't do anything for ages. And then he, he makes another film that stands out and then he doesn't do anything for ages. Mm. So, um, He's he's very active through the fifties and well the late fifties early sixties incredibly active through the sixties so um, but he does he does the Thomas Crown affair he does in the heat of the night he does the the Russians are coming the Russians are coming uh, he does two um, highly influential musicals he does Fiddler on the mm. Roof um, and then he does Jesus Christ Superstar and then he does Rollerball that's that's the order so. Very, very, um, heat of the night, um, famous, you know, they call me Mr. Yeah. Tibbs, uh, Sydney Portier, um, fantastic film, yeah. uh, fantastic performance. But then, yeah, after, after this, it's a few years of, um, like stuff that you probably haven't heard of, except for maybe And Justice for All. Mm. Um, but then he does Moonstruck in 1987, which is Nicolas Cage and Cher, snap out of it. Um, and then, um. Yeah, and then nothing effectively uh, until the hurricane, mm. and then there's. I think he. I think he's. Is he dead? He might be dead. Oh no, no, still alive. Um, but yeah, the hurricane in 1999, and then he hasn't really done much since then. Mm. Yeah, he's got three credits on IMDb. Two of them are TV movies and documentaries, and the statement, which I haven't seen in 2003, mm. so can't talk to that. But yeah, Norman Jewison, interesting yeah. guy. So the so the the Tokyo match um, predictably uh, Goose dies. Moon Pie Violent. Moon Pie die. Oh, well, he doesn't die. He's um, uh, he becomes he's, brain he's, dead. Yeah, he's rendered catatonic. Um, yeah, they still they still win the match. Um, uh, and man, things things start to take a really weird turn here. Um, Jonathan refuses to turn off Moon Pie's life support. Um, and at this yep. point he's just railing against the system so he, he insists yep. on taking one one could say raging against the he machine he is raging against the machine so he t- insists on taking moon pie back to america with him um in his in his catatonic it has a line about uh, even a plant will turn towards the light yeah um and maybe maybe moon pie can do that he yeah. can just turn towards the light so and then it, and then um and then he goes to jonathan goes to geneva and there is an absolutely stellar sequence where he is um it's like something out of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where he is wandering into this essentially the the storage facility it's like he's it's like he's gone to the amazon data warehouse to find the raw data (laughs) of all of the of all of the books that have ever been written and, and, and there's a there's a computer scientist there who's upset that they've lost the entire 13th century. So and again, this this must have looked amazing on paper, but man, it comes off. It's almost like Hitchhiker's Hitchhiker's Guide or even like Python, Monty Python. Hmm? It's so it's sur- surreal. There's this kind of doddery, doddery old guy who is like the I guess he's he's the archivist 
but none yeah. of us, none of us, none of the equipment works. Obviously, it's it's either underfunded, either deliberately or just through because nobody cares about history. History has become obsolete. Um, yeah. And this one guy is trying. He's trying. What's the name of the computer? The computer's got a name. I wrote, zero. Zero. The computer's name. I love all the old. Um, I love all the old computer tech in the, in that scene oh, as well. Oh yeah, that's... Um, for the for those of you who don't know, I, I have a history and well, my my career outside of podcasting, which is lucrative <laughs> and rewarding, um, has been in in IT, and um, some of the old computer gear in there is is hilarious. Not only do they show you a nuclear power plant control room as like a computer operations center for a start, uh, but then they show you some good old fashioned um, Hollerith data punch card, uh, which oh, is that's amazing. Which punch is, cards. Yep, oh, punch cards, gosh. and then um, there's the big old, the big old. They don't have. I, I didn't see any reel-to-reel magnetic tape, but there was the the old computer packs or the the hard drive packs, which are those big cylindrical things. Um, they look like pizzas stacked on top of each other. Mm. Um, those are old school, um, and th- those would have been um, very modern, very high tech, the very best that 1970s had to offer in terms of computer hardware. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I, I thought all of that was a trip, but ultimately, yeah, the 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 zero the computer is some liquid liquid information storage device. Um, so yeah, I, it's bonkers, and the yeah. the guy's having a conversation with the computer, a la Hal from from two thousand and one, um, but infinitely more frustrating and nowhere near as murderous. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so he goes. He goes. Yeah, they bicker like a pair of old wives. It's like an old married yeah. couple. <laughs> Give him the answer. From that futile scene, he goes home and he, he finds that Ella is at home. Ella is obviously the 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 corporation's their last ditch effort to to so, convince but he him has to it, retire. Doesn't, doesn't he have a conversation with um, when when was the conversation he has with Bartholomew? Was that at the party where he's like he makes a list of demands, like he wants stuff, he'll retire, but he wants some things. He wants concessions. He wants he wants concessions. He wants Ella back. He wants and he wants some other. Yeah, things. that's at the, is that that's after at the, that's Tokyo at the party. Is, the other the other scene. There was one other scene where Bartholomew is talking to he's talking to like a like a board of directors or something. Oh yes, that's so right. It's the, yeah, that's it's the party. It's the party where he's talking. He's explaining the concessions that he wants from Bartholomew in order to retire. Yeah, and one of them is he wants Ella, and he and he wants he wants access to to information so that he can understand how things yeah. work. Yeah. So he and he and Ella have some some deeper meaningfuls. He says he's, he says it's a, a kind of Chinatown esque line where he says at some point people had a choice they had, they had a choice between nice things and freedom and they, and they chose the comfort you know, it's, yeah it's really it's, it's very nihilistic um yeah almost almost um prescient in its in its foretelling of like the um homeland security act yeah. in america where yeah yeah, exactly. yeah we'll, we'll give you we'll give you safety presumed safety but at the cost of privacy yeah so yeah yeah, and so and then he's then he's then then the final act is the final act is this final match, which is the this match against New York, um, where and as as has been set up, there's no there's no time limit, and so it's just it's a bloodbath, and every yeah. and virtually everybody dies, and he has an opportunity at the end to kill the last remaining guy on the New York team. 
and he he drops him on the ground and he skates up and puts the ball in the goal and then it, and then it closes on like a freeze frame of him skating around it's it's deathly silence in this arena it's pin drop kind of silence and then they start everyone starts yeah. chanting jonathan jonathan and that's the that that's it ends on a freeze frame um so yeah. it's kind of cue a, the Bach. It's it's not yeah cue the Bach being played on a on a on a big pipe organ that's, oh, and that's um, right. the and Bach. the of course there's Bach again yeah. um you're channeling it's very 2001 because yeah because it's that classical music and um and so uh, I think the prevailing wisdom at the time was that would make it timeless <laughs> um so um I mean it does but it's very indicative of its time because unfortunately there's there's three there's two Stanley Kubrick films that use um uh, classical music to great effect mm. one is 2001 and one is clockwork orange which is beethoven heavy um but played over synthesizer very very early yeah. synthesizer which would have sounded amazing at the time but now sounds kind of cute and quaint yeah so yeah so the end the end's yeah. not exactly it's not exactly chinatown it's not it's not it's not a complete failure he's you you do get a sense that he's won but it's pretty easy it's it's not a it's not a big leap to go but again what's he actually won yeah what's it who has he won against yeah so i mean uh, which brings us to our favorite my favorite segment of the podcast what happens oh, yeah. tomorrow yeah tomorrow to what happens tomorrow yeah tomorrow nothing happens because he hasn't won shit <laughs> he might have won the he might have won the the match but the rules are still in play the corporation doesn't care they they will now just censure him or just straight up kill yeah. him, um, and no no revolution has occurred, no um, no massive social upheaval has occurred. All that has all that they have done is he has proven that he is he is the ultimate rollerballer. Yeah. And um, the next, it, should they manage to find enough players to put to a Houston team back together, and and for some reason he still wants to play. The entire other team will just spend the first minutes of that game trying to kill Jonathan. Yeah. That's it. It's not like it's so. not like Running Man where he he wins and in winning he also he's he's able Sparks to he's able to air the tapes that show yep. the order being given for him to fire on the civilians, and thus yep. spark the social revolution or oh, demolition man. or demolition. Do you remember well. a time, Mike, when you could you could air some tapes where someone where someone does something? or says something and that that meant that everybody in the world was just like well clearly they're bad you know it's almost as if someone admits to sexual assault on tape and like automatically the world would go well he's a horrible human being uh and 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 that's what would happen not like today no yeah today no today you basically could have someone murder somebody on tape if they're the right kind of person and there's there's people in this world that wouldn't care no no yeah still support him yeah. Yes, 2020. There's that 2020. nice shot though of 2020, yo. Um, there's that nice shot of Jonathan um, in that final rollerball match where uh, he kills the the New York player <laughs> right up against the glass, right under Bartholomew. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then Bartholomew is shot behind the glass, so the camera shoots him from behind the glass. And then there's that fire, that strip of fire <laughs> under under his face. And, and he's he's looking through the glass and it's like the, the devil looking through yeah. um, the fire at Jonathan. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Yeah, they were, they were going for something with this movie, that's for sure. So It's it's ambitious. It's very it is, ambitious. It is ambitious. And I think ultimately, I say, so we've done the whole movie. So ultimately the, 
what you know it's I like I like it it's a good movie it's definitely verging uh, it's got oh, some, yeah it's got some it's got some real problems and I think ultimately it's that it's that um, it's 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 going for it's, it's, it's going for Kubrickian dystopia but it's also going for guys it's, it's also going for running man it doesn't know if it wants to be clockwork orange or running man is it a bit is it no. a big silly fun action movie um with a, it's got a it's got a it's got a point but ultimately it's about having fun or yeah is it, or is it's, it, it's really swinging for the fences just to roll with that sports metaphor it really swings for yeah the it's trying to do it's trying does to do it, both does, and it's and it's yeah, trying to does be it a miss and no. at the same time it's trying to be a, a nihilistic noir film noir movie um where yeah. where you've it's, it's a detective movie yeah there's elements of like your of your like you keep saying uh, chinatown yeah. there's elements of this this detective and he's looking this up um so but there's yeah there's other problems with the film as well one i think um and this is probably more indicative of its time is it's like you said it's 70s slow it's, everything feels like a like an overbearing director's cut um, I, I think there's about 30 minutes in this movie that can be trimmed out and you've got a much tighter film certainly by yeah. modern standards at least you're either into this kind of film that you, you have to sit there and watch or you're not into this kind of film um, because it's too slow for yeah. you the information comes too slow or even even if it just between that yeah some some trimming around the edges and certainly another another action sequence about 30 minutes in it really needs that that scene that scene of the practice game there needs to be something at stake yeah. there and you need to you need to get a sense he needs to have a someone that he's maybe like a a player that he's mentoring who is at risk um you know there needs to be something at stake there and that needs to be a proper sequence not just not just some kids kicking around i think if you i think yeah. if you, you could do you can fix the pace without too much effort and I, I love 70s movies i love the slow pace so i don't know if i don't i don't consider that a problem on its in and of itself in and of itself yeah but i think that yeah i'd I agree with the you tone, i think yeah, i think you're right but so so the other thing about the tone and again i love i love a movie with an ambitious tone i love a movie that tries to mix genres that's you know that that's cool i wouldn't say this movie would be better if it just if it just knew its if it knew its lane like it, it goes mm. outside it, it tries to it tries to bend to the genre i think it, that's dope. It, i think that where it falls down is is the casting uh and the and the casting yeah. of, of james khan where uh, um well he's so he's, he's out of the godfather right in 75 so yep. that was his last movie um, amazing and, movie. and he did amazing he did, performance, um, amazing actor an amazing movie yeah he he did um, Brian Song as well, which is a sports movie, which is probably why he they cast him in this. But yeah, he does Brian Song, um, and so he's a serious actor. But you know, uh, we're we're talking about this earlier. Uh, Burt Reynolds, Burt yeah. Reynolds was around at this time. Yeah, yeah. I think Burt Reynolds in this part, like I think the the part of Jonathan, no, he's not meant to be smart. Well, he's he's certainly not. He's meant to be a '70s sports star or in that same mold. So. Um, uh, I guess I, I'm not I'm not so familiar with 70s sports stars in America, but I guess like someone like O.J. Simpson at the time would be the like the really bad mold that you'd base this guy mm. on. You, but you need that sort of charisma. You need James Khan's got charisma, but in this he plays it quite dour and he plays it quite slow. And um, at it, 
there's only one scene where he seems engaged where it's the the, the training sequence yeah. um and then the rest of the time he's just brutal but not in a fun way he's almost antagonistic towards the audience as well as the other characters in the shot moon pie is is more and I, one of the notes i wrote about moon pie is that he's annoying as fuck but um he is a charismatic and every time the camera is out i felt i could not stop staring at that mustache on moon pie <laughs> um that 70s porn stache man that's great um but yeah i think someone like um i think someone like burt reynolds um or um I was just thinking before, Paul Newman or even Steve McQueen. Oh, Steve Um, McQueen. Steve McQueen. Um, Like those guys would have, would have, would have made that part. Just imagine Steve McQueen, like the cooler kid from The Great Escape as Jonathan E. Brando? Oh my God. Brando? Nah, by 75, he's, he's too serious, right? There's no way he does a film like this. Also too big. Yeah. (laughs) Brando is prime Brando. Brando and his prime I mean you'd get a hell of a performance I don't know if you'd get a compelling I think I think what this movie needs is an action star and I yeah. don't think in 70 an action star has been born yet that 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 fills this role and I'm not talking I feel like if this movie was made in the the late 80s you'd wind up with a Van Damme playing Jonathan or yeah, um, absolutely you, if, if you're making it in the 90s you'd get any one of those um, or, you know, if you made it in the 80s, you'd get an Arnold Schwarzenegger, you'd get a Sylvester Stallone or a Van Damme if it was a lower rent movie. They would be cast as Jonathan. I think only in 1975 do you get an actor like Jonathan, uh, like like James Kahn in this role and playing it like he's playing a serious drama. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think what you need is a charismatic action hero. Uh, but then it's an, but then it's an action movie. Kahn. That's what I like about having someone like... You know, it, it needs an it needs an actor in the role. The problem is he's the problem. I think is that Khan's playing it like a hard boiled film noir detective. Every, right. Everything everything's really low down. Yeah. Mumbling, mumbling a lot. Yeah. I'm just I'm just a simple a simple rollerballer. Yeah, what do yeah, I? I'm, yeah. I'm got a lot of street smarts and you know there's that yeah. it's that it's a bogart-esque and it's so it's really low energy. Low low <laughs> the energy. The whole thing exactly. is it's, really it's, low energy. It's hard boiled. Um, yeah. Where I and, and, there, and maybe there are other actors who could have pulled that off, um, and still and still I, and still made it work. The thing is, I think I think James Caan can pull that off. I mean, like um, you think about Alien Nation, another movie that um, probably uh, ripe for the podcast. Um, Alien Nation. He is fun in that. Like he is a fun perform. That is a mm. fun performance to watch. He's he's manic. He's unhinged um he's a little he's a little off the wall he's great he's 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 just fun and in this he is not fun it's, i don't think that's yeah he's it's not fun he's not fun to watch every scene that he is every yeah. scene that he is in moves like like moving through tar and he's in every scene yeah yeah he's the lead character he's in almost every shot and it's hard to watch because it, he is not fun uh, I, I think Maybe maybe there's somebody out there screaming at the podcast now. Well, that defeats the purpose of the film, or that changes the aesthetic. Yeah, and all of that is true. I like. I'll call it now. I think this movie is verging on greatness, if not greatness. Um, and it's layers upon layers, and it's it's a it's a multi-textural film that wants to be so much more than it is, and it and it succeeds on so many levels. It's got a message. 
Um, it's got it's got something behind it. It's got artistic choices that are being made. Uh, it's an auteur film by a director at his prime, um, who comes from a multidisciplined film background. Like he, the, the director Norman um, films comedy. He films musical. He films sci-fi, mm. um, <laughs> sci-fi post-apocalyptic action film. Like I think. On the, on the surface of this is what makes cinema cinema and, and what makes it an art form in and of itself. But um, as an entertainment piece, like ultimately cinema is that, that blending of entertainment and, um, and artistic point. And so not all film is artistic and not all cinema is enjoyable, but good cinema is when you marry the artist with the entertainment mm and you can push something and that's why guys like spielberg do so well as they understand i can have an artistic point i can make a message i can have a point of view but i can also do it in a fun and entertaining way and um this this film lacks that fun and entertaining way part and if we just i think as much as i love james khan i think yeah you put a paul newman or steve mcqueen in here who is a charismatic fun actor suddenly you've got a, a different kind of film and I think you still have all of that fun point because this film wants to be fun. That whole sequence in, in Geneva is just bonkers nuts. Like no one was trying to make that serious. Clearly they were going for something crazy and nutty. I think, yeah, as much as I love James Caan, take him out of this film. Steve McQueen goes in. Mm. Uh, Paul Newman goes in. Burt Reynolds goes in. Suddenly you've got a very interesting film that... that exceeds its um, limitations yeah. and becomes an absolute classic yeah. rather than a footnote to yeah. cinema so i think i think I, I would call it verging on greatness i i think there's, there's i would there's, too. there's too much there's too much wrong with it there's too much too much missing it is yeah it's yeah it's it's, it's good it's and it's ambitious yep and I think it's it poignant as well. And it's it's influential. I mean, there's a bunch of video games that were very popular in the 80s that are loose rip-off, rip off, uh, rip-offs yeah. of this film. Uh, I don't know if you've played them. Speedball and Speedball yeah. 2. I mean, they're effectively rollerball um, just without the skates. Um, Running Man owes a little bit to this film. But the, uh, the film version, not the book. Yeah. The book is wildly different. Um, but the film version is effectively this movie. Um, I haven't seen the remake. I think I might watch the remake. I remember when it came out, and I was just like, oh, that looks terrible. Um, so I didn't watch it. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think this is greatness. All right. I'll call it there. Yep. Let's wrap it up. Thanks, Craig. Good to talk yep. to you. Thanks, Mike. Uh, thanks for listening, yeah. everybody. Uh, we'll be. Subscribe we'll be and again. like you all. Yeah. We'll be back again soon. If you've got a movie you think we should do, um, hit us up. Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter. Uh, find us uh, find us on SoundCloud yeah iTunes yeah yeah alright Spotify do it do that thing yo it's verging on greatness bye everyone alright bye bye